0: Harbor, what were you doing on that day? We can ask my generation, what were you doing on the day that 9 11 happened and you saw the Twin Towers uh, be destroyed by by airplanes? And, or, you know, and I remember that day, me and my wife, um, we had a a great talk that morning, and then we went into a classroom setting at uh, YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And um, we just we were leading a group of students, and we just sat down and we all, uh, you know, turned on the TV and watched, and we were shaken because we had never seen something like this happen in our day. Terrorism wasn't even really a reality, you know. You had the um, Oklahoma City bombings. And you know, that was, they kind of said, well, maybe that was terrorism, but it was homegrown. You'd known the uh, trade centers before to have been bombed in the basement area, the parking lot. And so, but for us, terrorism wasn't a reality, but that day, terrorism became a reality. And if you're like me and you remember that day, true sadness hit my heart. Tears came to my eyes and as my daughter was sharing that in in the Nina school system, at least in her school, they had a time of remembrance and even the teacher that was talking about that came to tears. That's how much it meant to all of us. And if you can remember the slogan, never forget. We will never forget. And it's true, we have not forgotten. And today we remember those that have died Almost 3,000, I'm not for sure the number exactly, um, but I'm pretty sure it was close to 3,000, maybe a little bit over, maybe a little bit under. But one thing I remember, um, it, was a, it was hard for me because um, it, it happened and then my dad passed away soon after. And then it was tough, and then right after that, me and Alyssa and our class at YWAM, we went to New York City to Ground Zero and you could still, there were still um, ashes in the air. And, you know, you could still smell what had happened in New York City. And at that time, it must have been a great time to go to New York City because there was nobody in the streets. We went to Times Square, there was nobody in Times Square. And that was around October 4th. And what we did and how this ties into this morning's message is we stood on street corners and we put up booths. They said, if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. I was 25, I had no clue what I was doing, and how could you go to the epicenter of where something tragic happened, where the world was shaken, and actually as a 25-year-old have anything to offer to anybody? And we didn't know what we had to offer. But then when we walked the streets of New York late at night and down by Ground Zero and the outside fences, they'd open the gates, the trucks would come, and then you would see women and men weeping and just contemplating on what took place. And so us as a group, what we did is we took the only thing that we had, and that was hope and prayer. Did you, do you know what's happened since 9-11? Do you know that in the, um, in our organization that we served with Frontiers, since 9-11, the day after 9-11, recruits became, uh, how do I say this, the numbers of recruits just went up. Which is kind of amazing if you think about it. Instead of fear, there were young people that said, I want to take the gospel to the Muslim world. And so if you think about 9 /11 and what has happened since 9 /11, we've had a lot of terrorism. ISIS has done their thing and they're doing their thing. But you know, 15 years later, there are actually people movements happening in the Muslim world. I believe because of 9 /11. I believe because the church had, for a moment, had waken up, had woken up and said, "We need to do something about." the Muslim world, and terrorism, and we can do it through the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the cool part about it, in great hopelessness, hope came, and hope is still coming to the Muslim world, and we can rejoice. And so, I'll go into this this morning, The sermon we're doing, we're still in the Sermon of the Mount, and we're in that series, and I I hope we get through it um, soon, but we will see. But I really like the teachings, because even I have been challenged of how I am to live my life on a day-to-day basis. And even this morning, I think we'll be challenged on some subjects of prayer and forgiveness and what we act like when we are praying and what Jesus calls His disciples to to do as they are praying. And you see, in Matthew 6, we're going to do verses 5-15, through and I'll read them to you really quick. And then we'll kind of look deeper into the Scripture. It says, when you, say, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into the inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil, or the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. And so this morning, as I was thinking about this sermon and spending time in prayer And saying, Lord, what would You have us to hear on this morning? And what would be Your heart for this sermon? And what would be Your heart for Your disciples and Your believers? And I would say this, that until we have seen Jesus as the pearl of great price, until we have seen Jesus as that treasure that was hidden in a field, and the man went and sold everything for that field, until we see Jesus as our all-in-all prayer will be a hard thing to grasp as a discipline. We all know that all of us have prayed, even the sinner and the righteous one, the pagan and the unpagan, the atheist and the believer, all of us at one point say a prayer and we throw it up there in hopes that God will hear us and that God will move. I will say that I am here today because in my worst state, I said a prayer that I need a Savior anywhere, in heaven or hell. That's a crazy prayer. I know, but I had I was desperate and God showed up. Despite myself and despite where I was, God showed up. But you see, Jesus says this: when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. And when I think about this, and I think about the Scripture that we've read and we've studied about, you are the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And then he says, do your good works before men so that they might glorify God. Remember that sermon, it's in Matthew 5. And I often question, Jesus, then why are you saying don't be like this and don't show your good works before men"? is in this? What it's saying to us when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray. And then last week we talked about almsgiving and being seen and letting people see. And, and when I think about these scriptures, and it always comes down to the heart of the person giving the prayer. You see what was happening. How many of you guys and and ladies, how many of you guys like to be noticed? How many of you guys like to seek attention? I don't know about you, but I do. I love attention. I like to be liked. I like to um, be in a group and I like to engage. I also like to give attention to others. But you see, what the hypocrites were doing is they were saying these prayers and they were saying it to be seen by men. And Jesus says, disciples, don't be like that. Don't be like a religious person that gets up in front of people and you want others to know how religious you are by how well you pray. And you know, honestly, if we're all honest, In our discipleship process, all of us have been guilty of this very thing. Now, if you're not one to pray out loud, then maybe you've done it in another way, because I know some people don't like to pray out loud, but I know I have. I've been in groups, intimate groups, and I'm like, I'm giving it, yes, yes, just so that people would know that I'm a person of prayer. I've grown. But I would still struggle with this area when you get into groups of people. But you see, this is what the hypocrites did. And we've often heard it said the church is full of hypocrites. The world's telling us that all the time. And it's true to the aspect that sometimes we make mistakes, but we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who wipes our mistakes away. Right, amen. When we fell, He was there. So, think about this. I'm sure it was covered last week a little bit, but Jesus says, Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. What was their reward? What was their reward? It was this. That's great! That is great! But here's what Jesus says. But you, when you pray, go into the inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I want to look at a few scriptures, and I'm going to run through the scriptures this morning really quick. And it says this in Psalm 27 8, it says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. And then in Hebrews eleven, six it says, And without faith it is impossible it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You see, when we go to God and when we begin to seek Him with all our hearts, we will find a great reward. And I want to unlock just a quick word for you, and it's talking about. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. And how many of you guys have seen that the movie um, was it War Room? Great movie. Great example of what it is to take your needs before the Lord in secret, and not before man, but just taking your things to the Lord. And God says, if you f- seek Me with all your heart, you will find Me, and I will reward you. And you see this word, inner room, the Greek here? It means that there is. It's to, we are to withdraw to pray, And it was used, this word inner room was used as, in Greek, for the storeroom where treasures might be kept. Think about it. That inner room is to where treasures are to be found and are to be kept. And so when God says, those who seek Me, they will find Me, and that I am a rewarder of those who seek Me. And you see I want us to understand and I hope in our prayers time we do it seven we do on Sunday mornings and then we do it on Monday mornings is that I don't want you guys to come to prayer and all of a sudden be quiet. That's not what I'm talking about because there is an area that is very alive and we'll see it in the Lord's prayer that is corporate. And then there's also the private prayer. And I would challenge all of us that we need to find that inner room where Jesus is and we need to hear His voice through prayer. And it's okay oftentimes to say prayers just up in the air and and as you're driving, as you're doing life, And practicing God's presence to throw up your prayers. But I want to encourage you this morning as a disciple is to find that secret room. Find that secret place to where Jesus is. And then all the world just kind of slowly fades. And it's only between you and God. You see in Psalm 25, verse 14, it says, The secret of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He will make them know His covenant. Psalm 27, verse 5, For in the day of trouble He will conceal me in His tabernacle. In the secret place of His tent He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. In Psalms 31, verse 20, In you or you hide them in the secret place of your presence. From the conspiracies of man, you keep them secretly in the shelter from the strife of tongues. You see, there is something about getting into the presence of Jesus, and all of a sudden, the voices that are yelling, the voices that are in your head, become silent because the One who created you is speaking life to you. That is exciting. That is a reward. You see, Jesus is returning, right? That's our common ground here. He died on the cross for your sins, right? Our common ground here. He rose on the third day, right? Our common ground here. But then there's reality if He is returning. And we will be with Him forever and ever in eternity. But I want you to understand a joy in this life. And the joy in this life is finding Him in that secret place, in that inner room where He begins to reveal His heart to you. And you see, we understand this only when we spend time with Him. Now you go through seasons of life. There are times when the Lord says, Seek My face, and I say, Lord, I will seek Your face. There are times when the Lord says, Seek my face. Lord, I will seek Facebook. There are times when the Lord says, Seek my face and Snapchat or whatever is out there and that's what I'm doing. But I want to encourage us this morning. Come back. Come back to that secret place, that hiding place where only you and the Savior are communing. Because guys, the world is rough. There are voices in our head, and there are voices that are always speaking lies and untruths to us. And we need to be able to go into his presence. And that is our reward. That is one of the rewards that we receive. And you see, I don't want you to take this scripture to extremes. Corporate prayer is just as important as private prayer. The private prayer, I would say, if you don't do it, you may not thrive quite as much as what Jesus has for you. Because doesn't He say, abide in Me and I in you? For you can do nothing apart from Me. And so we must abide. Let's go to verse, uh, verses 7-8. through 8. In chapter 6. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition, as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need before you ask Him. And so what is this saying, what is this saying to us? You know, because if you took it straight at what we're reading here, it means, okay, maybe, then I don't need to pray at all. And I've said in meetings with guys that are great men of faith, and they're Calvinists. And I love Calvinists. But they're like, and he had a good question, why do I need to pray? A great question for a Calvinist. Although I would say I know probably 95% of Calvinists, they pray hard. But he's right. If God knows what we need, then why do we need to pray? But see, if you only take this Scripture and you're not looking at the whole of the Bible, then you're missing it, the whole point. Because this whole book, the Bible, is full of prayers. They utter prayers to God the Father all the time. And so I don't think that's what Jesus is saying, but He is saying this. And William Tyndale was one of the first translators to uh, translate this word, meaningless repetition, as in the use of babble. So we can look at it like this, and when you are praying, do not babble. And do not just go on and speak and speak and speak. We all know what babblers do. They just talk. And sometimes you're like, just stop talking, please. And then sometimes to myself, I'm like, just stop talking, please. And it was always, I thought, having girls, you guys, I had all boys in my family. Five boys, all of us. And we just didn't have a lot of ladies in our lives. My mom, that was it. And I was always worried about having a girl that just yap, 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 yap. I was like, oh my, how am I going to handle this? Well, I don't have that. And if I do, thank you, Jesus, because I'm communicating. So I've learned. That's a good thing to hear yap, yap, yap. But Jesus is saying this, don't be like the pagans. They just keep babbling. They just keep talking. And I shared this scripture a couple weeks ago about, and I used it as a different point in a subject, but it's Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. And this has changed my prayer life forever. Because it says this guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know they are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought or bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And honestly, Pastor Kathy said it well. I don't know if it's in a prayer what she was saying this morning. Is that so often... What did you say? I just went blank. <laughs> Come on! Oh yes, yes. Is it you see? God is infinite. We are finite, and we don't always understand who He is. But who we, what we do know of who He is, we seek Him with all our heart. But you see, so often we act as if we really know everything about Jesus. We know a lot. But you see, He wants to reveal more in that inner room, in that secret place. And He wants us to guard our steps as we go into His presence. You see, it's not a one-way conversation prayer, is it? Believers do not pray with the view of informing God about things unknown to Him, or of exciting Him to do His duty, which is what I do so often, or urging Him as though He was reluctant. On the contrary, they pray in order that they may arouse themselves to seek Him. Oh, Lord, You are good. That they may exercise their faith in meditating in His, on His promises; that they may relieve themselves from their anxieties by pouring them into His bosom. In a word, that they may declare that for from Him alone they hope and expect, and both for themselves and for others, all good things. This is John Calvin? Luther says it a little bit simpler. By our praying, we are instructing ourselves more than we are Him. By our praying, we are instructing ourselves more than Him. And I want to instruct you on how I hear the voice of the Lord often. As I am praying and I'm in that inner room... And I begin to pray, and I'm praying with all my heart. I'm seeking the face of the Lord. And all of a sudden, my prayers are counseling me. I'm like, wow, Lord, You're speaking to me. I know I was praying to You, but all of a sudden, these prayers that I were praying to You are instructing my heart on the way that I should go. And so when I saw this quote from Luther, I was like, amen, Lord. Amen. May I hear Your voice more. Let's go to Matthew 6, or chapter 6, 9 through 13. And I know we got a Packer game today. I'm well aware of it. We will be out of here. I want to see the first game of the season. It says this Pray then in this way Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil, the evil one. And I promise you this Scripture in itself could be a sermon by itself. So let it speak to you by itself. But I want to kind of look at a couple things and just kind of point out this is a prayer that Jesus has given us And if you think about it, there's not one "I" in the prayer. Think about that. This is a corporate prayer to be prayed together, but it is also a prayer that we can pray alone. But it is also a prayer that we are to pray together, because it says, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name. You see, Jesus starts with the worship of who God is. What it does is it takes the attention off of us and puts it right back where it belongs, and that is on the Father. And if you think about a worship service, what we do Sunday morning, it's not in vain repetition. We worship. We are focusing all our attention back on the One who is worthy of all worship. And then even in our offering giving, We give our tithes, we give our offerings back to the one that belongs as in an act of worship and saying, Lord, this isn't about my pocket, this is about You. And so we see that God is hollowed. And think about it in the aspect of He is the creator of all things and we can communicate with Him. That blows my mind every day. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And again, you're going back to the Father and you're saying, Lord, let your rule and reign be done in my life and in the world's life. This kingdom came. His kingdom has been inaugurated through Jesus Christ. And I wanted to challenge us this morning. The church is to be advancing His kingdom. We are to encourage, we are to build up, we are to equip one another as part of our calling, but we are to advance the kingdom. And so when we pray this prayer, we are actually saying, Your your rule, Your reign be done on earth, as it is in heaven in the hearts of men and women. And then it goes in to give us this day our daily bread. And you know, some scholars, and I agree with both, some scholars would say that this is spiritual. That Jesus is saying that God, I am, because He does say it, right? I am the bread of life. And He says every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is, is food. So that aspect is true, but there's also another true that God wants to provide for our every need. And I want to tell both the rich, the middle class, and the poor in this room, No matter where you are, your provision is from Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. You may work hard, but He is the one that puts that food on the table. He is the one that's given you the job. He is the one that provides for all your needs. And then I want to look at this. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then we'll go to 14.15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, their sins, their mistakes, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your sins. That's weighty. That is weighty. And so, you know what I do in my prayer when I pray this prayer? I ask for those I've offended. I actually seek God and I'm asking God to help them forgive me if I have sinned against them. Why do I do that? Because there's great power in forgiveness. And then if I have been sinned against, as hard as it may be, I have to forgive also. Because if I don't forgive... Then my Father who's heaven will not forgive me. You can't bypass this scripture. And this scripture stands out to me almost more than all of them because of the power that is in it and the forgiveness. And I was talking to somebody this week, and they say, I've forgiven somebody, but when I see him, I want to kill him. And I'm like, I know, I've been there. And then we walk through the progression of, you have forgiven and I believe you, brother, with all your heart. But I, then I challenged him and said, hey, then why don't you let your actions be just a little bit different? I know you're struggling, but then why don't you do this to show that you are truly walking in forgiveness, although your heart is not there yet. But when you start walking it out, it will get there. And so forgiveness is so important. And then it says in verse 13, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We have, a formidable, for, we have a foe that is powerful. And Jesus is saying, you need to pray that God would deliver you from the evil one. That He would deliver us. And I want you to know that Satan has always been against the seed of God. We see it in the fall of man that there would be great deep hatred, the word that was used there, a deep hatred. And we need to be prepared to stand, and to stand in truth and stand upon the Word of God. And if we're not in the inner, inner room, if we are not spending time with the Savior, We're going to be bait. We need God. And I want to repeat this Scripture as I end this morning. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And He will make them know His covenant. So we stand this morning with me. We're not going to have a response time. It's going to be a little bit different. And so one thing that will happen is we'll, elders will be here this morning to pray after the service, after we're dismissed. So if you have a need, if you're sick, or you just want us to agree with you, we will be here to pray with you. So I'm not taking that away, but it will be after dismissal. But I thought this morning, something that would be well, something that Jesus deserves, is us to say this prayer together. And just say it together and believe it with all our hearts and to go on. So let's say this together. Our Father, who is heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Be blessed today. Hopefully the Packers have a great victory. We'll see. Amen.